All right, welcome in episode 73 of the Hot Grits Podcast. I'm Travis Chadon. With me, as always, is Spencer Maddox. We record on Monday, June 28th. You're probably listening to this after that. We got a lot of Hawks talk, Braves talk, and a lot of Georgia sports talk in general with Brad Rowland at the end of the episode. On the first half of the episode, Spencer and I will mix it up about those Hawks who are down 2-1 to the Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals, the Braves and Mike Soroka's big injury, plus some other stuff including Scottie Pippen and UFOs. Stick with us the 73rd time for the Hot Grits Podcast. My name is Van Johnson. I'm 67, made up the city of Savannah. I'm pro go Let's go. That's all we need. Ain't nobody gonna rip like me, spit like me, flip like me, drop them hot grits like me, hits like me, just like me. Nah. Ain't nobody gonna rip like me, spit like me, flip like me, drop them hot grits like me, hits like me, just like me. All right, welcome in episode 73, Hot Grits Podcast. Travis Janon, Spencer Maddox, here recording on Monday, June 28th. It was a long, long weekend for Georgia sports fans, Spencer. The winter is coming. Winter is coming, dude. The winter, the winter is coming. It's a good thing we got the prince, of the, the prince that was promised on our team because <laughs> winter is coming. And I don't get the Game of Thrones references because I've never. And yet, seen you that put show. one on the dock. Yes, dude, I did. So, and and the one time that you fucking read the dock is the one time that I get out of support. All right, so we'll start today, Spencer, with what you want to start with the Braves. Uh, yeah, don't you have a Chip Carey soundbite for us? <laughs> Did, okay, so, yeah, let's do that first. Chip Carey, the uh, world-renowned broadcaster for the Atlanta Braves, over the weekend had just a monumental, monumental gaffe. On Saturday, the Braves are playing the Reds. Of course, they lose 4-1. Uh, <laughs> Chip Carey has the following about incoming Reds pitcher Ryan Hendricks. That is not a misspelling on the back of his Reds jersey. He is the first and only major leaguer whose last name ends in X in the history of the game. How about that? All right, so there's Chip Carey just saying that Hendricks is the only baseball player in Major League history to appear in a game. How about that? Whose last name ends in the letter X, and it could not be further from the truth. How about that? Huh? We could start with both Greg and Mike Maddox. How about yep. Gavin Lux out in L.A.? Yep. Uh, former Hall of Fame pitcher Sandy Koufax. Former well, Hall of Fame what, first baseman Jimmy Fox. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could go. There so are hundreds of, of players. So many Hall of Famers. I'm willing to bet there's a solid amount of like active players, right? Uh, yeah, at least three. Yeah. At least three. Uh, and so this, so this cannot be Chip Carey's fault, though. Like somebody fed him this information, correct? But yeah, but if someone said that to you, I would immediately be like, "That's not right. That can't be true." Yeah, I mean, and you're a Braves broadcaster, Greg Maddox. How about that, Greg Maddox? Chip Carey, you're not that guy, guy. You're not that guy, pal. I know you think you're that guy, but you're not that guy, dude. That could be a good segment if we, we like. I mean, it's a viral video, so it's a flash in the pan, but. The You're Not That Guy segment? Yeah, that could be a segment for like every week. That would be fun. <laughs> we do need to start thinking of some segments now that the Hawks are approaching elimination. Yeah, dude, the we've stink. ridden this, the Hawks wave hard, dude. The yeah. Hawks have been like good for us personally. I mean, well, they've been good for me personally because I live and die by them, but us as a podcast, it's been great. We're going to get to the Hawks, obviously, in depth further in this episode, but I, I guess let's start. Let's start with the Braves and, and what they've done. Since I went positive last week, not uh, much. Well, they were four and four on the road on the eight game trip, so that's like serviceable, right? But yeah. but they have given themselves no leeway to go four and four on eight game road trips. They welcome in the Mets 
next, beginning on Tuesday, June 29th. Uh, they'll get DeGrom on Thursday, I think, on the 1st, on July 1st. Yeah, that's what everybody's saying the Thursday. This is projected starting. Yeah, so so Tuesday, Wednesday becomes super important for the Braves. Yeah. Max Freed back on Wednesday for the Bravos. Drew Smiley on Thursday. Max Chuck- Freed, their third best hitter, fourth best hitter. On Chuck team. Morton on Tuesday. Max Freed is not their third or fourth best hitter. He's, he's up there, dude. I think he's got a 760 OPS. He's not doing bad. So the Braves are how many games back? Do we they know? They are five games back. Five games back of the Mets. Three as... back in the loss column. Okay, which is important. Baseball guy thing, loss Baseball column. Guy, dude, dude, loss column. Baseball guy. Braves are 37-40? and 37-40, yeah. Okay, so that means they are definitely winning on Tuesday and Wednesday to and approach. And losing. Yeah. Right, right, yeah, right, right, yeah, yeah. So we already know how that goes down. They're not hitting 500. Mm, not happening. Hitting 500? No, I mean like reaching oh, 500. Oh, reaching. Well, they're not going to go over 500. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They need to approach it at some point yeah. in order to be Georgia sports. Yeah. Well, dude, if 500, if a 500 winning percentage was a girl at the bar, the Braves, they'll make eye contact across the bar. You know what I mean? They'll like, they'll look. Like chin, like yeah. chin nod? Yeah, yeah, chin nod. They'll throw her a so, drink. Like they'll, they'll be like, hey, buy that girl a drink over there. And it, like they'll do, they'll play that song and dance all night and then never approach her. You know what I mean? They'll never walk up to her or talk to her. They'll just throw her some drinks. You know what I mean? If you buy the girl the drink. She accepts it. The bartender says, this, this guy bought it for yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't the girl have to walk over to you? Uh, I mean, if she's an astonishingly pretty girl, no. What are you know we? What, I mean? what are the what are what's our rating? What's our guy the rating? The Braves? I mean, we're under 500. So six we're and a half? Yeah, we're a six and a half, dude. Like, we're, we're like a solid, huh. you know, we're dressed so, nice. So, yeah, we need to buy the girl the drink. We need to sure, buy the girl right? the drink, and we need right. to approach her. Like, we, you buy the girl a drink to open her up. You know what I mean? Like, just to get her comfy. And then you go over and talk to her. Yeah, that's pretty vulgar. No, 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 no. I don't mean, ew, dude, ew. Gross. You took it there. Oh, what? That was low brow. Are you ashamed dude. of me? That was low brow. You're better ah, than that. Damn, I feel dirty now. I thought you were going to like that. <laughs> <laughs> you did not like that. You know what we do like? What's Co- that? Coach's Corner in Savannah. Coach's Corner is our title sponsor, 912-352-2933. Those guys get after it over there. Owner John Henderson. Yes. And Coach's Corner in Thunderbolt, the best sports bar in Savannah. Brandon Bain um, doing the NASCAR Rubbin' and Grubbin' show. Carl DeMossi uh, for the coach and the AD on Wednesday nights and Saturday morning. They're now up to 5 million TVs over there. 5.2 million TVs is correct. Yep. That's the The official TV to person ratio over there is just insane. It's a ridiculous KD ratio. so check them out, Coach's Corner. They're on Facebook, 3016 East Victory Drive. They are on Instagram and Twitter. If you go, tell them the Hot Grits podcast sent you, and they'll take care of you. Uh, I was watching Rubbin' and Grubbin' the other day, Spencer, on Wednesday night. Or I was watching it afterwards on their YouTube channel. Yeah. Go subscribe. Our guy, our guy, Brandon. Brandon Bain's the man. So Brandon threw a shot at us, I think. The audio was like unclear. I was going to use it, but the audio was unclear at the end. And he said that he had to get us, and I was going to see if you knew what this meant. He was like, haven't seen Spencer and Travis in a long time up here. I'm going to have to get them on some milk, shaking some milk jugs or something up here. And I didn't know what that I meant. I don't know what that means. Is that NASCAR guy? I didn't, no, no, no. I think like the audio, like I m- must have missed something. Yeah. But I didn't know if there was a milk jug. I don't like that, dude. Well, I didn't like it either. I don't like that at all. So I reached out to Brandon yeah. on Saturday, and I was like, Hey, you want to come on and talk some NASCAR? He was like, he works a thousand hours a week. Yeah. But he, he got back to me on Sunday and, you know, said that 
obviously he had missed the text or whatever, but yeah. I wanted to ask him about that. Brandon, if you hear this, reach out to me, man. What, shaking jugs out of still? What does it mean? <laughs> what does it mean? Yeah, beef, dude, I'll shake jugs all day long. I think it was a shot at us not going to coaches in a while or seeing Brandon. I've been up to, I, we've I've been been up to coaches like three times in the past week. Yeah, me too. Like we've seen several games up there, but we just don't go we're not up there on Wednesday nights. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. guess. Well, I got I got stuff to do. You know what I mean. I'm I a guess busy that's, man. that's the move. But we go up there a lot, dude. Is he gatekeeping us over there at coaches? I don't know. Is he coaches gatekeeper? I don't know. But hey, Brandon, I mean, we're you, gonna you get to the bottom of it. We're I'll, I'll shake some jugs with you, dude. I don't know what it means, but I'll do it. <laughs> Bring that smoke. Uh, so the chip carry thing was just one example of how bad Georgia sports was this weekend. Yeah, that was like a great example. There's other examples, of course, Trey Young and, and the oh. referee and the referee's foot. But before we move on from the Bravos, Spencer, there's a lot of websites that have like futuristic or future projections, record yeah. projections. Almost every website now has the Braves finishing around 80 or I'll say 79 to 84 wins. So right around the 500 mark, yeah. 81 and 81 yeah. would be 500. Uh, what say you? First off, that doesn't do it. That doesn't get you no, in the playoffs. I'd buy the over on that though. I that, mean- that would tell me that they need to acquire yeah. six to eight more wins. Yeah. Somehow. So the Braves, with Mike Soroka going down, the Braves... Wait, are, so that's a crazy... Which, God that's damn it. Crazy. How did Mike Soroka tear the same Achilles again? I don't know. It's almost like you called it. I did call it. Everyone was like, oh, he's back in April. He's going to yeah. be back in April. He'll be back in April of 2024 if yeah. they're lucky. So that polarizes the Braves, right? Like, they're, they're either going to become sellers or they're going to become buy, buyers. I they don't, cannot stay pat. That's, that's the one thing they can't do. Yeah, I think Soroka and the Achilles does not necessarily like change anything about what they do. I think you're this wrong. Season. I think you're wrong. And here's I why. could easily be wrong. I think you're wrong. And here's why: because they won the, all last year. They were like, "We're not going to be buyers because we got Soroka coming back next year." You know what I mean? In their minds, we got Soroka coming back next year. We're not going to be sellers because we're so damn good. But this year, they're middling. Right, mm-hmm. you don't have Soroka coming back next year, so you don't have that ace in the hole that you can tell your fan base. I would argue the Azuna thing sent them the Azuna, the Azuna. I was going to bring that up. The yeah. Azuna thing that messes up their lineup too. So now they're not just beating the shit out of balls. They have to have a strong rotation to compete. So for next year as well, and for this year, they have to buy, or they have to sell immediately and build around Acuna uh, in agreed. the future. Agreed. Right? But I, I would be. Last week I went positive Braves guy. It didn't work, so I can't like. I, I that's only gonna last one the, week. Yeah, the, I, I can't be positive. The Braves problem, guy. the problem with the Braves being a seller is, is who do you sell? I mean, the, you're not. You're you got not, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not shipping out um, Albies. You're not shipping out Acuna. No, you're not shipping out Freddie Freeman, right? Nope. Okay, so we go down the list. Swanson. I'm cool. What with are that. you What are you getting for Swanson? If right you now? packaged Swanson and Drew Smiley, I think you could get a team's. One of their ten best prospects. Yeah, I mean, so so we're just going so you could go Swanson, Smiley, or you could do like say Drew Waters, uh, Charlie Morton for yeah. a t- for a top guy. I mean, there's a lot of pieces you can put two parts together. You can go prospect like the Braves have Chuck Morton, Chris Martin out of the bullpen would would get you something else back. Yeah, AJ Minter would get you something back. Um, there, and then there's plenty of guys that can package for sure. Yeah, what's the end game? Ari Adrian. So you have two MV, MVP players in their primes right now. You can't finish with 80 to 84 wins not having made a move one way or the other. You yeah. cannot become what the Brewers did yeah. to themselves. Like, 
you have to pick. That's well, the end game. It's well, it just seems you got to acquire or sell. It seems to me that the Braves should be buyers. I don't know that they will be. I yes. think they. I think there's a solid chance they become sellers, but they should be buyers in my mind. Don't we both agree that there's more of a chance that they do neither? Yeah. Wouldn't that be yeah, more yeah, yeah. like the Braves to do nothing? To just do or nothing. else acquire a number four starter? Yeah. Yeah. Or an extra no, I bench could, piece. I could see that coming a mile away. But they need, I mean, they need help. And I don't know where it's going to come from. That's the other part. Like, is there really an ace out there that you can acquire right now? Like, Well, I don't know that it's like, the pitching it hasn't been all that bad. The Braves went four and four in their last been, eight without scoring five, more than five runs. It, it hasn't been, it hasn't been bad, but you can't say, like, they can't run out. They can't run. They're not beating DeGrom, dude. They're, they're not beating those guys. I hear you. I'm just saying, I think the more pressing thing is that Almonte, Adrianza, these guys are hitting in the yeah. middle of your order and playing every day. It's yeah. not sustainable. It's Agreed. not sustainable. They Agreed. need to reach out to the Marlins and see what Adam Duvall would cost them. Bite the bullet and say, yeah. look, we fucked up. We made a mistake here. Maybe Starling Marte. The Diamondbacks are a thousand games out. They got some players. Yeah, and the Braves, the Braves still have a bunch of arms in their uh, in their farm system eh, that they could sell. I guess in their, that they could sell. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like they've got yeah. they've got guys they could get a return on aging veterans for sure. Kyle Miller just went out and had a gym. He would get you something back. Yeah, um, he's gonna have to stay in the rotation now for the foreseeable future until Yanoa comes back in three or four weeks. Lot, I forgot about that. Yeah, a lot to deal with. Uh, stick with us. We're gonna take a quick break for an ad, and then we'll be right back. Are you looking to buy or sell real estate in the Savannah area? If so, call John Carr Real Estate today. John Carr Real Estate, that's John Carr, C-A-R-R, in Savannah, 912-228-0916 or 6349 Abercorn Street. You can visit John Carr Realty at johncarrealty.com or on Facebook through John Carr Real Estate, Instagram, and on Twitter. John Carr Real Estate, buying, selling, or just learning more about the real estate market in Savannah. He's your guy, and if you call him, tell him the Hot Grits Podcast sent you. 912-228-0916. Alright, welcome back. Spencer, uh, over the weekend, there were some things that happened. Also, uh, a thing that happened outside of sports I wanted to ask you about. Okay. The UFO... I have, I have no context with this. Yeah, I have told you nothing about it. Okay. The UFO report from the federal government was released. Yeah? Like, who's responsible for this report? It this was, just... was a uh, long-awaited report for okay. UFO apologists okay. and believers of UFOs because the difference between this and every other thing ever was that the federal government has never once acknowledged ufos or as they call them what do they call them uaps okay is what, is what the government what, is, what does the uap stand for um unidentified aerial something okay anyway so basically what's different is that this was the a committee they're throwing them a bone this was the committee making the federal government release what it has all right on UAPs, UFOs. Okay. So and what it came, came out? out? We were expecting hundreds, hundreds, hundreds of pages, right? Nine pages. Basically, what came out was that they don't know what the unidentified objects are. There is no evidence that it's a foreign country. 
and they don't fucking know what these things are. Oh, okay. That's the essentially what so I they, got out of they this. They literally report. just were like, we'll we'll recognize we'll wet the peak. So dude. there are one hundred and twenty one examined instances in the report. Okay. Which are an example which is an example of someone seeing an unidentified flying object and it's so we get we get nothing about Area Fifty One. We get nothing about no. Okay, no. So we so, still don't know what Area Fifty One is. But there are now now there are like all of these people, well established people, scientists, uh, government, former military people that are allowed to talk about it. Yeah, because they're not no longer mandated to like hold by the code of silence or whatever the legal stuff is. Like you're allowed to give interviews and tell people what you saw. And these are all really smart, like reputable people these aren't crazy yeah. people out in the sticks like that said they saw a flying saucer they're like right. yo we saw a point of data on like we're in a airplane and we saw this thing that's unexplainable it went x number of miles per hour like just like travel. ridiculously fast yeah dude and like i definitely believe in ufos now oh i have been convinced over the last six months Okay, so it's not the report that did it for you. It's the no, other people. the report had nothing to do with it, bro. It just, like, was a huge letdown. I mean, I've always kind of believed in aliens. I don't know if I believe in flying saucers, dude. I mean, you gotta... There's a long mental bridge to gap... Or mental gap to bridge for me, you know? You I mean? can be convinced, though? Yeah, of course. Of course. Of All course. right, so on the next... Ep- by, like, when we record the next episode, episode okay. 74... I will have my case ready to go. Okay. To we can convi- debate this, dude. No, I will, convi- I will convince you on episode all right, 74. All right. I'll play devil's advocate. I'll do the, you know. But you have to have an open mind. You have to be willing dude, to be convinced. Whenever someone says you have to have an open mind to a person, that person then inevitably has a closed mind. So now my mind's going to be closed. I just told you I've been convinced that UFOs are real. I know, but I just. So what the. I don't know. Course. It's just. It's. I, I will have an open mind. But the second someone tells me to have an open mind, I'm like, mm, close my mind a little bit. Closing it up. I don't like where you're going with this. You can close, but just have it open. For I, 74. Yeah, yeah, I'll try. Reopen. I'll try. I'll try. Keep normal business hours. What happened? <laughs> Christ. So what happened in sports? Uh, well, the Hawks went down 1-2 the moment I made a custom tee. Uh, can you believe I did that? All right, here's the story. Here's the story. Before game two... I am waiting in the mall yeah. because I have to wait there for 20 minutes for something to be ready, okay? And I'm walking around, and I'm like, well, I guess I go to Barnes & Noble get a coffee. Nope, there were like 35 people in line. So I'm just walking around. Best bathrooms in the mall, by the way. Like, mm, you yes, got yes. you got to know that. You have to know that, and that's hard-hitting information that you'll only get here. Best bathroom in the mall, Barnes & Noble. Continue. Why is that? Because the men that are going into the Barnes & Noble bathroom, like, these aren't your – Rough and tough. No, guys. no, no, no. These they're are not sticking up. The, they're they're not sticking the up the joint. Yeah, right. Which makes for the best bathroom in the mall. Yeah. So, I saw that there's a bunch of people in line at the Starbucks. So I'm like, man, I'm not waiting in that line, even though I had time to kill. Right. I come across custom ink, whatever the thing is, whatever the kiosk is in the middle of people that make custom teas, and I'm like, hmm, what should I do? Let no me, free ads. Let me Get make home. a hot grits podcast. Hawks in four. T-shirt. Yeah, let me make. It was awesome. I wore it to work that day, (laughs) Friday night. Yeah, and then the Hawks lost in historic fashion, dude. By near, they were down by forty plus points. Let me tell you how mad I was at you that night. And I'm wearing that shirt out at the bar too. I was so pissed. I wanted to burn that shirt. So yeah, let me tell you how mad I was at because you're at least out at bars. I'm working at a (laughs) prominent bar downtown, 
And people are just ripping me, dude. They're like, oh, you got to take that shirt off. I'm like, oh, yeah, what shirt am I going to wear, dude? Yeah. You, you know didn't bring mean? a change either? No. Neither no, no, no. did so I. I. Dude, I came confident. And I put money on Hawks Money Line. So me I lost too. money. I'm wearing the shirt that I can no longer wear after today, pretty much. Dude, like, we have to burn that shirt because I, no. I said the same thing. Spencer, 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 Spencer. We listen. wait until there's – we just bury it. You know what I mean? We just put it in our closet, leave it. Act like next year, whenever this rolls around, we wear it again on game one. You know what I mean? And then hopefully they win in four at some point. You know what I mean? And then we post everywhere. We were the first ones. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. Never mind. We never show the listener this shirt. I was about to come up with a plan to burn it. I was going to burn the whole thing. I don't want to burn the shirt. Dude, it's a cool shirt. You did well. Okay, never mind. Yeah. And I paid for it. That was close, dude. I paid for that shirt, dude. I'm not burning anything. I paid for it up front. Yeah. And you paid me yeah, 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 yeah. And then, yeah, yeah. and then I turned around and bet Hawks money line. That didn't go well. Um, the Hawks money line has printed. Let's money talk about the game night. Sunday night. Yeah, Sunday night the Hawks lose and Chris Middleton's fucking run. Like it needed to be Chris Middleton's twenty point yeah. fourth. Uh, he outscored the Hawks twenty to seventeen in the in the money quarter. Um, did you do some drinking Sunday night? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty yeah. heavy drinking. I bought a bottle of Japanese whiskey. It started out as one of like like some happy sips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're playing our ass off. Went dude. to a dark place. Went, but dude, it's the Trey Young in injury. I don't know if we win that game if he doesn't get hurt. I don't know. Yeah, I knew the second he got hurt that we weren't winning that game. Sure. Immediately, the Chris Middleton stuff, dude. He's been terrible through games one and two. Like he hasn't been a good player. I wouldn't even say like a top five player Agreed. in the series. Agreed. Um. But the shots he was getting off, there were one or two like wide open looks where I was like, "All right, he's making that." But the shit he was hitting, it wasn't like the Hawks were playing bad defense. It's, he just got hot. Yeah, you know what I mean. And the the Bucks definitively do not win that game if that doesn't happen. So I'm still not feeling bad as I don't think Hawks fans should be like down in the dumps after last night, especially since they were down two one to Philly. You know what I mean? They had their backs against the wall there. They came back and won. No, yeah. I don't but, think I don't come away feeling as negative as like a lot of people did about the game three loss. Yeah. I think I referred to it as game four earlier. Yeah, it's game, game three. Game, game three, three loss. So Game four tomorrow night. Sunday Tuesday night, night. Yeah. Sunday night's loss for me was obviously not as concerning as the Friday night loss. No, the Friday but I knew That's the Hawks gotta be obvious, right? I knew but the Hawks of, I knew the Hawks were gonna get blown out in one game. I don't know, but a lot of people dismissed Friday night as if being down by 40-plus points in a playoff game is not a big deal. That is not yeah. the same thing as being down 20 points. Yeah. It doesn't it's happen not. Often. It doesn't happen often. I mean, that's... But they took they pulled the starters at right? some point. Right, and like, I just yeah, don't yeah. know. You did that, and then you turn around in Game 3, and John Collins gets 21 minutes. Then you turn around in Game 3, and Clint Capella gets 24 minutes? Yeah. What are well, we doing? Well, part, part of that is Onyeko Okongwu has just been bawling out. Like, dude, he's playing... He's been better on Giannis than Clint Capella has. That's why you want to give him the guy some run. I, I agree yeah, with you. Yeah, but they're Clint doing Capella. that thing again where it's like whether well, you want to give Reddish some run. If he's healthy, yeah. you got to give oh, yeah, Bogey yeah, his yeah. run. Get, get you got to give you got to give Galley his run. We got to give Ek- No, think, you don't. I think they're trying to just You can go 7 deep. I think they're trying to create some variance and see if they can find a hot hand. I, I think know. that's it. I think that's yeah, it. Yeah, it does and, feel that way. And they uh, We know I, the answer. I think it's a bad idea. Like Immediately, I think it's a bad idea, but they fucking caught some fire with Lou Will in, in game five of last series. You know what I mean? Like, they found they, – they're just looking for that little bit of edge, a little yeah. bit – to put him over the top in one game, and then 
let it go from there. You know. Let what me I mean? ask you this: like, I explicitly trust Nate McMillan to do two things: to do something every now and then where you're like, eh, this is a specific thing mm-hmm. where I think you messed up, and I think most people agree with me. And then I also trust Nate McMillan to be correct that thing. That's what he does. Like, yeah. he does make minutes mistakes sometimes where you're like, well, that's you. You, you messed up. Do that. Yeah. And then almost always. They fix it. Yeah. That's the what Nate McMillan yeah, yeah. does. Yeah. And so that's why I'm like, just, I'm not that The panic. margin for error is so small. I think they're going to fix now, what, what's, whatever is well, wrong. Well, dude, you know what's wrong, and it's been wrong this entire playoffs, is John Collins has been unstoppable in the post, dude. Like, that turnaround jumper has I mean, yeah. been, every time he shoots it, I'm like, that's be- that's money, that's money. And he gets six of those looks a game. And then Collins like, make does what he does. Stop that. And disappears sometimes. No, he dude, goes they into stop a feeding it. Maybe so, but I'm saying what happens is that John Collins doesn't show up on your screen or in your mind yeah. for long. Yeah. Stretch. And, and then he does something, and you're like, "Oh my god, they have John Collins yeah. on their team." Well, he's, dude, he he's probably shooting on those little turnaround post faders. But he played 21 minutes. He's probably yeah. He's probably shooting 70 percent on those. My whole argument is take away any Clint Capella post up. Take away a couple Danilo Gallinari post-ups, even though he's been great. Take away a couple of those and give them to John Collins. It's six, eight points a game, like automatically. Yeah. The guy is a 20-point scorer, and he's just not getting the usage. It's, it's frustrating as an Atlanta fan to watch. They've gotten by without giving their second-best player the ball for two series. They can no longer do it. They have to get the ball to John Collins somehow. Like It's just it, it, the math does, just doesn't add up. He's the most efficient player on the floor for them. They got to give him the damn ball. So you specifically think John Collins? Yeah, dude. And I think there Brad's going to be agree a with. Guy. Watch that. We, we're going to have this interview later. Brad's going to agree with that. Like, okay. I, I I know he's going to. Agree I with think that. it has to be somebody. I think Kevin Herter can be that guy. Problem yeah. is, what did Kevin Herter have in Game Three? Seven shot attempts. Yeah. It's, well, I, 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 I mean, that. What do you want? Yeah. I mean, the, how does that happen? The, the problem, the biggest problem with the Hawks, obviously, has been Bogdanovich. Yeah, I mean, it's so forcing it up. It sucks so bad to say that because I like him and I think he's doing what we ask. Well, he's got to take what? those shots. He has to take he's, those shots. But he, <clears throat> he's sorry. He's playing through an injury. Yeah. Which we should be like proud of him for some in some way because that's what yeah. we ask of our player. Like we made fun of Kyrie and Kawhi. Yeah. For not playing. So we had to, like, give him credit. Yeah. Somehow, but he's just not a threat at all. Man. Yeah, I would say give him 20 minutes of run and then go eight deep in the rotation. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, see if he can get hot. The same thing with Lou Will. See if he can get hot. See I if he love can not... when Lou Will plays alongside Trey. doesn't have to be one or the other. Ugh, it does not I have to it. be one I or the other. I hate it. I hate it whenever I, they're I, I can See, I don't understand that, why. That lineup, that lineup of Lou Will... Trey Young, Gallinari, any combination of those. Right, three. You can't have all three of those. Brutal, I mean, you can't dude. have Gall. Well, then you then you literally have three well below average defenders. Well below, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Trey Young has been a pretty good defender. All you ask of Trey Young is, terms of, can like, you give us? Good. Can you give us at every ten possessions of defense? Can you give us two play your ass off, play well? Can you give us maybe five or six where you just play serviceable? Yeah. And then you know every ten possessions, there's going to be a possession off. Well, it's like, dude, like he's going to give you two or three. Have this entire playoffs? Have you seen anybody pick on Trey Young even once? 
I mean, I, I've mm. seen I've seen it like one or two times, but like one. Have you seen I think one holiday game, game two? Yeah, for, for or maybe game one. For moments, have seen, there like, have been times when Holiday looked. Like, yeah, he was aggressive against him. But have you there. have you been like, damn, Trey Young's really no. cool on the Hawks on no, no, defense? No, no, no. Like, it's just it's not that narrative needs to die, dude. I think because it, it, he's yeah, it he's so active in making sure he gets out of the way. Hey, I I paid attention to him this past game where he would. I mean, he's like a C plus defender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. fine. He's not the worst defender in the league. I was arguing no. with your brother about this last night. Actually, I was like, dude, that you got to dead were that times argument. In years past, where he literally would take possession. You can't yeah, be, but it's you can't be old, C plus and also take yeah, full possessions. Off. Yeah, it's an old narrative though. That's what I'm saying. It's dated. Sure, it's dated. Sure. There we go. You know what's not dated? A Scotty Pippen getting after people. Scotty Pippen went off the rails on that Dan Patrick interview uh, earlier. Did you hear the Dan? It's crazy. Pa- All right, let's let the people hear this clip. This what is it? Two and a half minutes ish. Yeah. Of Scotty Pippen talking about Phil Jackson, Michael Jordan. And Tony Kukoc? Somebody's yeah. racist? Is it Phil Jackson that's racist? Yeah, he's, he's saying Phil Jackson's racist. Listen to this. Dan Patrick is the man uh, for asking these kinds of questions, and he gets answers like this. All right, Dan Patrick and Scotty Pippen. Help me understand the GQ article where you talked about the 1994 playoff game when you refused to go back in the game and Phil set up the play for Tony Kukoc. Well, I mean, it's not much to be said. If you go back and look at when Scottie Pippen entered the Bulls and when Tony Kukoc entered the Bulls and who deserved the last shot of the game. No, no, uh, no. I understand that, Scottie. I'm just going by what you said. You said you need to read between the fine lines. And then you go on to say it was a racial move to give him, Tony Kukoc, a ride. So, well, I mean, if you knew that Scottie Pippen had been with the Bulls from 87, battled through the Pistons, and every other team that we had to get to those three championships, wouldn't you give Scottie Pippen one opportunity to get a last second shot without Michael Jordan? Like one year without Michael Jordan, can I get one shot? Like I'm doing all the dirty work. But all of that, I understand from the basketball standpoint, but when you say a racial move. Well, why would, why would Tony, who was a rookie get the last second shot and you put me out? Bounds. That's what I mean, racial. Like that was Scottie Pippen's team. But but Scottie Phil Pippen then, was but, but, on pace to be an MVP that year, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, why would you put him in a position not to be successful? Why wouldn't you put him in a position to succeed? Michael Jordan is not there. So who's next in line for you? But have you talked to Phil about this? Because by saying a racial move, then you're you're calling Phil a racist. I don't got a problem with that. Do you think Phil was or is? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, do you remember Phil Jackson left the Lakers, went, wrote a book on Kobe Bryant, and then came back and coached him? I mean, who would do that? You name someone in professional sports that would do that, you know? I well, think he tried to expose Kobe in a way that he shouldn't have. You're the head coach, and you're the guy that sits in the locker room and tells the players, this is a circle, and everything stays within the circle because that's what team is about. But you as the head coach open it up, and now you go out and you try to belittle, at that time, probably one of the greatest players in the game. 
Well, it feels like he's disloyal. I don't know if that makes him a racist. Well, that's your yeah. way of putting it out, and I have my way. I was in the locker room with him. I was in practices with him. Uh, you're looking for him afar. Yeah, and, and look, that's why I wanted to have you on. But I go back, and Phil designed a play for Steve Kurt when Mike was <clears> there. And Mike, Mike didn't have a problem with that, did he? I don't, I don't want to see, you're not, you're, you're not setting me up to answer the right question. What do you mean, Phil set up a play for Steve Kerr? He didn't set that play for Steve Kerr. He set that play for Michael Jordan. I thought in the huddle, Mike says, I'm going to throw you the ball. You'll be open at the fouling. That, and Phil had nothing to do with that? And you don't want to get this show started because it'll take us a long time. Do you know all those cameras that's sitting in that huddle who they was working for? The NBA. So you know who Michael was speaking to when he said that, right? <laughs> that was that was planned. <laughs> that was speaking to the to the camera. That wasn't speaking out of what we're gonna have to do, what the play is gonna be. That was speaking to the camera. Had John had uh, John Stockton not came down, trust me. <laughs> but that was building his own documentary. Because he knew he was controlling the cameras. <laughs> you understand English? Yeah. Okay. So all those cameras that was working were working basically for Michael Jordan. <laughs> Not for the Chicago Bulls. But did- they were building the Come Fly With Me, the Air Jordan videos. That's what it was. It that was not naturally spoken. Okay. All right. That was rehearsed. All right, we'll close with uh, Spencer and then, and then get to the Brad Roland interview. What did you think of that, uh, that Scottie Pippen stuff, man? It's nuts. Dude, <sighs> you, you want to be on Scottie's side here, but he sounds like a bitter ex, doesn't he? The like, third person thing does it. That's... It's the it thing. does it for you? Like, you, you like it or it makes it crazy? It lifts the entire, like, argument that he has. Who knows if Phil Phil Jackson could be racist? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shit, if I Scotty yeah. Pippen might have some. Who knows? On that. Who knows? Scotty Pippen might know. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But right? what I'm saying is, doesn't it come off like it, you're thinking of it as a journalist? You're thinking of it as as an interviewer. When Travis like, Jordan hears something, yeah. <laughs> let me tell you about. Travis. You're caught up in it. You're caught up in that side of it, dude. Think of it as just purely a basketball fan. You're like, bro, you jealous, man. Well, He's Scott, jealous. Yeah. And, dude. Travis Jadon hears that. I'm telling you. He hears that <laughs> as well. But but another thing that Travis Jadon doesn't yeah. like about the whole thing is that is that Tony Kukoc just somehow can't stop getting slammed. It's like yeah, every, dude. He, even as the years go by, it's Tony Kukoc is just never going to escape no. being slammed. Perhaps yeah. they wrote up a play for Kukoc because they thought he would make it. No, 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 no. There has to be a reason why Tony Kukoc got run. And I'll tell you why it's racism, <laughs> like that's the see that's that's the thing right there, dude. I, you, tough sell, you know what I mean? Like tough yeah. sell for the Tony Kukoc thing. That being racist, Dan I don't Pat- buy that. Dan Patrick's dude. like, okay, I don't, <laughs> I don't buy that. Listen, shit, Listen, Scotty, I hear you. I don't buy that <laughs> shit, dude. But the the other thing, like later on in the interview, he starts talking about uh, Steve Kerr, the Steve Kerr and Michael Jordan thing, where they're they're in this on the sideline, and he's he's saying. Uh, 
what is he saying? Uh, be open. I'm going to pass you the ball. Yeah, the cameras. And he says the cameras. Yeah, he's he said the, the who are those cameras working for? They're not working for the they're not working for the Chicago Bulls. They're working for Michael Jordan. It's like okay, That's bro. Thing. He looks like, like or he sounds like like the Cookie Monsters like yeah, mad does, mad dude. uncle. It I I don't, I don't know. He's like you better believe Michael Jordan wouldn't have passed that ball if uh, if he didn't get doubled down. He was like, that's what he was saying. And that's coming that, from me. Scotty that, yeah, Pippen. That's, I'm Scotty Pippen. That's what he was saying in the huddle. That's what he was saying. They're going to double me, and I'm going to pass you the ball. And exactly what he said is exactly what happened. And he's like, well, if that if they didn't double him, he wouldn't have passed the ball. It's like, duh. <laughs> <laughs> what, so dude? Good. What? What are we talking about? It, dude, Scott, I said this before the interview. Scotty Pippen's not a smart dude. Nice no, guy. No, no. I don't nice, think he's ever been accused of being a smart Nice guy. guy. Good basketball player. Dumb person. And he, <laughs> dumb thinks, person. he thinks he's a smart guy. And therein lies the issue, right? So, Scotty Pippen, hold the cell. In my mind. I, great interview, though. Yeah, I mean, What'd it's a hell think? of a soundbite. Yeah. Hell it's yeah. It's a hell of a soundbite. Hell bite. yeah. I, I love it. It gives me a chance to get some takes off, dude. Well, and, I mean, it brings, like, other... Like, Scotty Pippen's take on KD last week. Like, I'm on... I, I was good with it. I miss. I, I I saw that, but I forget what he says. Right he basically came after KD for like, like not being a, not closing out that game seven. Like that's why he's not one of the. Ah, uh, that's that's another tough one, dude. You're just with it because no, 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 I'm not. I don't agree with it. I'm just saying like if Scottie Pippen wants to say that after yeah, KD Pippen. misses a game winner in game seven, yeah. Like, I mean, he's an NBA legend. Some yeah, people he think he's the second it. best player in the I'm 90s. I'm good with his basketball takes. Like, I yeah. don't agree with a lot, but like, you, he's allowed. Scotty Pippen's oh, yeah. allowed to have oh, yeah, these yeah, takes, yeah. bro. Yeah, yeah. Top 40 all-time guy, right? Yeah. Top is that like two? Oh yeah, no, he's way above that. Top 40 all-time. Yeah. So he's top 20. So a lot of people think he's the second best player in the 90s. Of the 90s? A lot of people think that. Miss me with it, friend. I oh, I agree with you. I think it's probably Hakeem, and then you know. There's probably one or two names, in the, but Scottie Pippen's top 10 in the 90s, no doubt. Yes. No doubt. Yes. Probably top five in the 90s. Well, I don't know. Like we could, If you want to create your case, episode 74 preview, you create your case, Scottie Pippen top five in the 90s. Yeah. I create my UFO case. Okay. And we exchange. All right. We'll you try to notes. convince me, because Scottie Pippen is not It's an exchange five. of ideas, dude. That's what this podcast is. It's, it's what we exchange. are, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A yeah, melting yeah. pot, uh, yeah. round table society baseball guy basketball guy upper level thinking and then we just shit on football guy correct all right and we bring all of this to the people in one condensed episode yes an exchange of ideas Mm. all right Mm. do we want to get to brad yeah let's get to it uh subscribe rate follow subscribe rate follow the hot grits instagram how do they find you spencer maddox underscore don't you dare forget that underscore at jadon sports for me on twitter and at podcast grits for the show subscribe yes. rate follow until episode 74 <sighs> brad Rowland interview coming up stay safe wash your hands you filthy animals peace the prep sports report has been delivering local coverage for more than 20 years and continues to celebrate youth athletes in the coastal empire to this day PSR has your daily updates on outstanding student-athletes in our area every day, always free to read and scroll. Led by local legend Carl DeMossi, Prep Sports Report gives fans and parents what they want without any of the extras. Your athletes, your Prep Sports Report. Visit PrepSportsReport.com today. Find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at PrepSAV. You gotta love it. PrepSportsReport.com All right, Trav. Yeah, man. 
We're office dudes. You know what I mean? We're white collar bros. Sure. We stay in the office. We click our fingers. We got no calluses on our hands. But clean guys. Yeah. Clean hand guys. Let's be honest. A lot of you guys listening to this are also clean hand guys. Yeah. And if that's you and you have something wrong at your house, you need a home improvement fix, don't go getting those hands dirty, friend. Call Bewley Oaks Home Improvement. That's B-E-A-U-L-I-E-U, spelling for our guy Brian. And call Tony, 912-667-5235. Bewley Oaks Home Improvement. Call Tony and tell him the Hawk Reds podcast sent you if you need home improvement work done at your house. 912-667-5235. All right, let me tell you guys about the 31st annual Vic Mel and Jim Walsh Golf Tournament. July 31st, 2021 at Southbridge Golf Club, a foursomes event and one of Savannah's best. $1.2 million in the last 30 years has been raised by this golf tournament, so you know it's a big one. 912-704-4281. Call or text Joseph. Tell him the Hot Grits podcast sent you to sign up for your sponsorship opportunities or to get your foursome in the 31st annual Vic Mel Jim Walsh Golf Tournament. 912-704-4281. Tell him the Hot Grits podcast sent you. Okay, we got Brad Roland now of Locked On Hawks podcast, Talking Chop podcast, uh, basically covering all things Atlanta sports. Uh, a must follow on Twitter at BT Roland W or what is it R O W L A N D. Brad Roland. Brad, thanks for joining us, man. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. And uh, you spelled my name right, which is good. Thanks for that. Yeah, it's huge. I'm super <laughs> good at spelling. People that listen to this podcast will know that uh, I'm really, really good at spelling. Probably one of the best. Some say, um, not right, Brad- so good at talking, but really good at smelling. <laughs> yeah. Um, Brad, uh, Hawks down two one to the bucks as we record this on Monday night. Um, a lot of speculation around Trey young, I guess just open-ended for you, Trey young, um, availability for game four and kind of what that looks like right now. Yeah. You know, if I had to guess, I would think he probably plays the Hawks announced uh, on Monday afternoon, sort of unprompted. They didn't have to do this, but they said that he has a bone bruise in his right foot and he's going to be questionable officially. And for me, if Trey Young's questionable, if they're going to let him play, he's going to play. It has to be a situation in my mind for them basically to not let him play to keep him off the floor. I mean, whether he's effective or not, something, something different, but he'll definitely try to play if he's able to. How quickly after the Hawks are eliminated or after they win the NBA title, will they make uh, Nate McMillan the full-time head coach? I would assume pretty quickly. Uh, you know, it's been kind of weird. Uh, it's been a little bit hush-hush. Uh, there was a couple of reports nationally, not, not, not a ton locally yeah. about it. And, you know, they've kind of been, even when asked on the record, both Travis Schlake and Nate McMillan kind of downplayed it. So I still think that he's going to get the job. The only way he does it is if he takes another job in my mind, which is possible. I always want to point that out that, the Hawks don't have like a unilateral option on him. He has to sign a contract. Yeah, he, can, he, yeah. Good he, point. he can he can say no if he wants to. I think he probably won't say no, but maybe he gets a big offer somewhere else or something like that. But I feel, I think it's very likely, and it probably won't take very long. Shit, and, I did not think about that. Brad, is he just printing money right now for himself, making an <laughs> Eastern Conference Finals like that? I mean, I would think it definitely helped him, no question. Yeah. I mean, you you look around, like Rick Carlisle got, got a bunch of money from Indiana. That probably helps him, too. Yeah. And this is, he's a long-tenured guy. I mean, McMillan's been a coach for 20-plus years in the NBA, and uh, that kind of guy making this run, 
And as you kind of alluded to there, he kind of has them over the barrel on some level. Like he's in a pretty good negotiating position. So I would imagine he will get more money than he would have gotten a month ago. Yeah, him and I would say Kevin Herter have just done gangbusters this postseason in terms yeah, of her- rising their uh, their contract value. Like the, in terms of the way they went in, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I totally agree. I think I think Herter has been very, very good and is now extension eligible after the season. So I think he made himself some money. And you, you could argue John Collins might have as well because he's had a, he's got a couple of huge games and big moments that um, sort of solidified him. So I would certainly say that Herter and Millen are a different category. And Collins is going to get a lot of money anyway, but I think he sort of solidified that too. Right, right. So, Brad, I've actually heard you talk about this on your podcast. Uh, speaking of John Collins, uh, Travis and I got in a little bit of a debate earlier what does Collins have to do to get more touches in the post? I mean, going six for eight, that doesn't seem like enough shot attempts Shit. for Collins. I'm good with him getting, like, what does he have to do to get more touches anyway? Yeah, agreed. What do you, what do you yeah. think that looks like? And if going forward, if they're going to give him a max extension, he can't be getting eight shots up in a play in a like very important playoff game, right? Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. You know, one of the questions when they brought in Clint Capella was how it was going to work offensively. And I think to Colin's credit, he's sort of slid into a different role that is also a smaller role in some ways, like you guys sort of allude to there. And I think that they could do a better job of getting him isolated. Like in particular, he didn't play a ton of minutes because of foul trouble in game three. Right. But they're not, they're, they're not exactly a great like entry pass team. He's very good against mismatches, but sometimes they'll just miss him when he's isolated yeah. and one of the, one of the drawbacks, and I'm actually a pretty big Collins guy. One of the drawbacks is that you can't just throw him the ball at the top of the key and say, go, go get your own shot. John, he has to have a position on some, he's got to be in a mismatch in the post or in a pick and roll. Like you can't just like do everything himself, which I think is fine for a power forward. But that's also one of the drawbacks too, is that if you're playing him with, with Capella, he's got to have some space to operate and it's a little bit tough sometimes. So we don't want to talk too much, Brad, about Game 3 specifically, but, I mean, one of the things that was coming out of the Game 3, besides Trey Young's injury, you know, freak injury, really, was the minutes for Collins specifically. I mean, those three fouls, and then he ends up not fouling out at all. He doesn't foul out of the game, and he gets, what, I think 21 minutes, something like that? Is that right? I think that's right. Yeah, I think that's right. Okay, so he gets gets like 20-something, like really slim minutes. Same for Capella, but... One of the things that we've talked about before about Nate McMillan, um, Brad, is that he somewhat routinely makes like minor minutes or rotations mistakes. And by mistakes, I mean like things that I think most people objectively would agree on. That like looking back, hey, this should have happened this way, this that. Yeah. But he makes these mistakes, and then he often corrects them. At least from what we can tell. Would you agree with that assessment that he makes these minor mistakes, but then seems to learn from them? Yeah, I think that's that's probably fair. I, I think that he's a pretty stubborn guy, which is one of the knocks on him before he took over in Atlanta. And not again, this is a long tenured, experienced, respected head coach. So everything is sort of on a sliding scale. Like he's he's good at his job. Don't get me wrong. But one of the knocks on Nate is that he is kind of an old school guy who's a little bit um, sort of set in his ways. And he's been a little bit better than that, I think, in Atlanta at being flexible. But the foul trouble thing is a good example. Like that's a very old school mindset of like an auto bench. Like this guy has this many fouls, so we have to sit now for this long. And he didn't need to do that. And he, you know, he sort of he sort of fouled Collins out with that decision in some yeah. ways. Yeah. Um. So yeah, little things like that you can certainly point to and question. You know, I'm always someone. Well, it's my job to analyze stuff and share my opinion. 
there's stuff that we don't know as well, always behind the scenes. And I'm guilty of that too. That I, I'm, I'm sort of sharing my own opinion while not pointing out that, look, maybe there's something behind the scenes that we don't know. For but sure. I, I would agree that there's definitely uh, the, I would say the tendency for McMillan to have a little bit of a flub or two. And then to, to what you said, he also is pretty good. I think at been, at least so far in, in Atlanta has been good adjusting to that stuff. Yeah. And they, I mean, I think they will adjust moving, moving forward in the series, but I think in game three, they were sort of exposed sort of by, by all those, like the Saul Hill minutes, Kevin Herter only getting like seven shots, Collins 21 minutes. There were just so many things that like probably shouldn't have happened in that game three loss. And they still, still really could have won the game. Um, Brad, how do you think this series differs from them being down two one to Philly? Um, you know, it's obviously it's exactly the same in terms of the setup being down to one there it coming is. back at home game four. <laughs> but you're getting uh, this Hawks fan moving over here, man. I got my yeah, no, Good I point. Mean, I think they are less likely to win this series than they were the last one. And I, and I would have said that even in the moment. I, I think Milwaukee is a worse matchup for the Hawks than Philadelphia was both pre-series and during the series. Even if you factor in, you know, Trey being banged up, even if you were to assume Trey is 100 percent. They're still a pretty, big, a pretty big underdog here, but they're not dead. I mean, I think you have to win game four realistically to have a pretty decent chance here. But I, I think that you've seen sort of the theory of the case for the Hawks in this series. Milwaukee's capable of these offensive lulls where they can't make shots. And when Trey's had it going, the offense has been just fine. Now, there's just been a couple of stretches that have gotten them beat, basically. You know, game two, throw it out the window. They were just awful in that game. Yeah. What are you going to do? But Game three was winnable. I mean, they were up five in the fourth quarter of game of game three, even with, you know, all kinds of things going against them in that in that spot. So I think the numbers and the betting market and all that stuff that you want to say, Milwaukee's a huge favorite. I get that. They should be the favorite, but I think the Hawks still, after all of this, are probably a little bit undervalued to me. I, I agree one hundred percent. And I've thought the Hawks have been undervalued all oh, the way. In the betting the market, oh, for sure. It's been for crazy. Sure. Especially against Philly. Once, once they came back, I think it was game four against Philly, I really started to think this team might just be better than the Sixers. Did you have that feeling at all? Yeah, I mean, to an extent, for sure. I think Philadelphia was just so obviously limited in very, very key moments yeah. to where they, they could not score. And the Hawks just felt like, you know, from the outside, we'll never truly know, but it felt like they believed they were better. Right. And they also weren't more confident and more poised, which is crazy for a young team, but they felt like they were, they were the veteran team in that series almost about how they approached fourth quarters and how they approached key possessions. So yeah, it, it did feel like things were flipping in their direction and we'll see how game four goes in this series. I, I do believe in Milwaukee more than I believed in Philly, which is unfortunate for the Hawks in some yeah. level, but uh, I think that still they are, they're alive in this series. You know, if they lose game four, maybe come back and ask me again and I'll tell you that they'll be a little bit less alive, but as long as they have a chance here. And I think before game four, you know, if if they win that game, they're actually in a decent spot. So speaking of being alive, have you checked on Tyler Jones since Capella hit that layup (laughs) in game one? Uh, yeah, Tyler and I have talked a few times. Trav's looking look at me with a game. really questioning expression. Yeah. He doesn't listen to your podcast like I do. No, that's, ah. a, that's okay. Uh, yeah, I, I have a, uh, basically it's sort of a, it's sort of a gimmick that I have. Tyler, I think is a very smart fan, but, uh, he's basically the voice of the Hawks fan on my podcast. Uh, he's a very, uh, normally I have, I try to have people uh, that are more objective and Tyler is not objective. He's a Hawks fan and he's out and he's, and he's funny to talk to as well. And actually is really smart, but, uh, he, uh, shares his emotions 
we'll say. And he was not a, he was not enjoying himself after game three. I know that much. Yeah, Tyler Jones uh, would be that would definitely be my Twitter. Uh, I think that would be my burner account. He's very funny. To, he's very funny to follow. I'll tell you that. And also, just to give myself a little credit here, Spencer, I listen to the Talking Chop podcast. Yeah, because I there you follow go. the Braves. Not, but I don't. I don't. I'm Wait, not I mean, a Hawks fan. Spencer's a diehard Hawks fan. And Brad, <laughs> Brad, when he found out, he, Brad. All right, here's here's a little. Let's pull back the curtain a little yeah. bit. Brad did an interview with me uh, before the Reds Braves NLDS. For our yep. podcast, yeah, for uh, for our podcast, I, like I had him on to preview that, and I fucked it up so bad. The audio was so bad in the Zoom call, and and I couldn't figure it out. And we could never use that interview, Brad. I don't know if you even know that. And I felt so, I was so pissed and like bummed out. This was like really early, like maybe like a dozen episodes into. Yeah, us. we didn't have our like listener base yet. No, dude, and I was so bummed out and that I lost the whole thing because it was so good, Brad. And Spencer didn't put two and two together that that was the same Brad who did the podcast that he listens to every single like he listens to <laughs> yes. every episode. So I'll take over for Travis there. I am uh, people are diehards, and I might be I'm like a level above that. I'm like a psychotic so mad. Atlanta fan, and I've listened to probably <laughs> 300 episodes of Locked On Hawks, just like wow. getting me, getting me through those tough times, you know, because. 2018 through now was a dark time in the psycho Atlanta fans yeah, life. They were shitty. <laughs> so putting two and two together was hilarious. And uh, needless to say, I'm glad to be on the same, you know, be on the mic with you. It's fun. Yeah, man. No, I appreciate, I appreciate you listening all that stuff. That, that is funny. I do that. That happens every once in a while. Actually, people don't understand that it's the same person for some reason, <laughs> even though I, I don't know. It's a little bit, it's a, it's a little, it's funny to me or I'll have um, followers on Twitter that don't, understand that i cover the other team and they're like why are you tweeting about the braves i'm like well i do cover them uh occasionally yeah. so dude read just, the uh, bio just read the bio yeah. bro you know it's it's twitter what are you gonna do twitter is a place for higher level intelligent higher brow conversations yeah. agreed <laughs> or 280 characters max um brad we spencer and i also differ greatly on our grading of the danilo gallinari signing now one almost one year into the three-year deal i mean i think we both agree that he is awful on defense but like i think he's a tremendous liability on defense and i even told spencer this i said i think saul hill is a better offensive player than gallinari is defensively what what's <laughs> what say you and that's saying something because saul hill yeah has i mean it's <laughs> it's tough i, I will say I, I think gallo is a pretty bad defender uh in this in this series in particular it's been jarring how bad it's been and he complains um, it, about every call too that it's, me yeah off. i mean <laughs> it's been a bad matchup for him too i actually thought you know to be fair i think he was pretty he was pretty okay against philly defensively that matchup was pretty good to him uh having somewhere to hide him on that's exactly what i said or, brad or wherever is is favorable but you know in terms of the signing itself like i didn't love it when they did it i understood it like gallo's a good player his offense is very valuable um, and the shooting in particular, where they, they didn't have enough shooting last year, was one of the things they tried to correct. Um, and they did that to credit to Schlank for going out and get, getting two, you know, two or three shooters. Yeah. But it, it was a, it was a lot of money at this stage for Gallinari, and you know, the third year is non guaranteed which helps it a little bit. But I think he probably did not return value this year just because of the injury he had, and also That's just not, the, the defense has not been great. It's not a disaster, like. It's not a deal that you just are, are urgently trying to get off of, but it's also, I think, uh, a little bit too much money. It's it's kind of tough to see them making an Eastern Conference Finals run without Danilo Gallinari in some form, I disagree. right? Well, I mean, okay, to be, to be, yeah, actually, I agree with you because of this. The way that they're constructed right now, 
they're so shorthanded without Hunter that it is really hard to see them. I think they would have lost the Philly series. Okay, fair that. enough. Yeah. With the DeAndre Hunter injury, fair enough. I'll grant go. you that. Yeah. Okay, I'll grant I, you that. I think I think the, I think the Knicks series they would have won, but they they probably lose against Philly. You know, honestly, one of the moves that Nate made in that series was going to that big lineup with Gallo with a three, and that actually ended up being a huge part of why they won that series. So credit to Nate, credit to Gallinari for making some shots. I, I'm I'm with you guys. He's not the he's not going to be he's not a star anymore. He was he used to be a really good player, and I think he's still a very solid guy. But the weaknesses are also, uh, if you see him on the wrong night, it can be. Yeah. Time. He's not a star. I mean, he's not a walking star like Bruno Fernando, of course. <laughs> My guy, Bruno Fernando, is waiting in the wings. People don't realize how athletic and excellent that guy is. Oh, man. $100 million Our contract. stock is just plummeting every time <laughs> Travis oh, talks Bruno. about Bruno. Uh, man, his name is actually Bruno. Um, uh, <laughs> Spencer, <laughs> Spencer, I'm going to ask Brad about that, the Hawks Braves fan base. You wanna, yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So, Brad, we've. Uh, for a while, we've had Jeff Schultz from The Athletic on before and talked about similar stuff. You're in Atlanta. You're covering these sports. You have a good pulse on the fan base, I would think. Um, for you, there's obviously, or I think we can all agree, there's a gap, right, between Falcons and Braves fans, especially Braves, and Hawks fan bases as far as the amount of passion, the level of it, right? When we agree that the Hawks fan base would be a step down. Maybe not from, passion, but in terms of widespread appeal, yes. Just like the amount of them, almost. Yeah, I I think they're I think you know I love to cover the Hawks for a long time. It's my main beat, and I think if you're being objective, the the fan base is smaller than people understand that it is. Yes, at least until at least until now, I think it is growing. I think Trey and the, this run is going to actually probably help them. That was the yeah. fan base a lot. That was the question. Yeah. So, but I, I agree in general that you know of the of the major team, you know, you're if you try, if you try to compare the, the the Hawks fan base to the Falcons or the Braves, it's not even close. The Hawks have the much much smaller. Uh, sort of diehard group to mm. this point and the hope is that it, that it, that it will grow i mean i might not to get too much away but like my my podcast numbers like page views and stuff it, are all like through the roof right now in a way they normally are not and obviously it's the play that's the playoff series but also i was i was kind of surprised about how like cr- they're they're easily selling out all these games and people are jumping on the bandwagon which is good um, but in general, like the base itself, going back to when they were even, you know, they were pretty good for 10 years. They made, they made the playoffs 10 years in a row and it was not like this. Uh, yeah. The fan base, the fan base is not huge for the, for the Hawks historically. And I guess the hope now would be like, all right, they have a superstar and we'll see what happens. So this run is going to do more than say the team they had when they were the one seed. I mean, I think that's probably going to be the case. You know, I'll be the first to defend that team because they had like 20 straight sellouts that season like there was a genuine buzz in the city for that team but they're also that was before little, the farm before the farm yeah yeah i mean and, and there's a little bit of revisionism here but there also was a little bit of our all right we all kind of understand this is not going to be a long term you know there's not there's not a top five player in the league kind of guy on this team and they caught lightning in a bottle whereas now i hear people all the time that are just not that they're not hawks fans but they're almost more trey fans than hawks fans because that's the guy that's like the guy they found and they've been waiting for this guy for their you know their whole basketball watching life they wanted the hawks to have this superstar guy and now they have him so i do think this is going to be more long lasting and the fan base will grow you have to stay good is the big thing like they, if they come out next year and they flop then maybe that'll hurt them but if they're still good next year and now you have the superstar that you can build around and sell jerseys and all that stuff i think it will be big to uh, help grow the fan base and Brad, speaking of Trey, there. Uh, so I've always, 
I've always been on the Trey side of things in terms of Trey versus Luca. I've always said that Trey hasn't even gotten his shot yet. Oh. Obviously, Luca's an all-time. He's going to be an all-time player. At least looks like it. Has I know Trey, where you're going with this. I yeah, know what well, you're doing. <laughs> did people did people close the book on that trade way way too early? Yes, I mean, period. Objectively, right? yeah. Ob- yeah. Objectively, yeah. Come I mean, on. E- Come even on. if e- even if you even if you um, believe, and I, and I think uh, to be fair, if you go outside the walls of Atlanta, I think the consensus still is that Luca is the better player. The consensus, not not everybody thinks that, but most people, I think, outside of Atlanta, think that. Yeah. But if you but if you take a step back and realize these guys are 22 years old and the Hawks got a lottery pick in the trade, right. like th- there's a way to evaluate the trade. Good point. And then there's the irresponsible takes that you'll see where like, you know, the Hawks, my, one of my pet peeves. There have been a that, lot of irresponsible takes about the Hawks. Yeah. Right? I mean that absolutely. That's absolutely true. One of my pet peeves in this whole thing was that it felt like for a long time, the Hawks got more heat for that trade than the Kings got or the Suns got. And true. that's like, that's true. It just, uh, which doesn't make sense at all because the Hawks got a lottery pick in the trade and they got Trey Young, who is a star. I mean, even if you don't think Trey's as good as Luca, and that's somebody, I mean, that's somebody's objective opinion somewhere, regardless, the value was way better. Like the value of the trade for the Hawks was Absolutely. way better than what Sacramento did or what, I mean, Phoenix actually, the rate was great, but no one can argue that he's better than Luca or Trey. No. I'm, not, I'm it, sorry, no. you can't do that. Um, so, long story short, I think people did go a little bit too far absolutely um, i get it that's that's the culture right now is you have to just take the furthest take wherever it goes and we saw but, we saw some hilarious takes this year where i forgot about the lotto pick the espn uh top top 25 under 25 or whatever it was where they had sga uh <laughs> michael porter jr hilarious oh, we talked about yeah that my hilarious uh, my my uh one of my editors at peace hoops that could has tweeted this out a few times he's uh he's really really uh fond of pointing out how bad that list was and Dude, it that very list much is was. all time that's an all-time yeah. list i mean and honestly the speed in which it looked bad because trey goes from being number 16 on that under 25 list to being the best player in the conference finals team yeah and that in, in like three months so that, that that's a tough that's obviously a tough look for everybody involved so yeah it was uh that was rough sure you gotta go yeah, back and this, edit, this, bro. it's been a victory lap for i like I want to have Tyler on this podcast because I've been just victory lap after victory lap in terms of my takes on the Hawks because it felt like it was, <laughs> you, it no. felt like it was us against the world for a while there. My God, dude! Just like, like relax. They're down two one in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, final. but I they mean, I was right about a, I was right about a my lot of God. things. You know what I mean? That's all I'm they fired their coach <laughs> midway through the year. Oh, the Braves, the Soroka injury. Yeah, I wanted yeah. to ask you about that, Brad. How what was the first thing that pops into your head when? Uh, or I guess I shouldn't say pops. Um, what's the first <laughs> Ouch, thing dude, that comes wow. into your head? When you when you heard about the Soroka uh, re tearing of the Achilles, uh, to be to be truthful, it was two things. Uh, number one is that it was just so brutal to to read that news because like basically everyone likes Mike Soroka a lot, like as a guy. Yeah, he's so uh, nice. He's Canadian. On, on, yeah. on top on top of being a really good pitcher and a really young guy, just the you know reading it and you're kind of like processing like, man, he did it while walking. Like that's the most insane thing. You'll into the read. facility like, yeah on. and then i mean and then part two is uh one of my co-hosts on talking shop podcast is uh his name is eric cole and eric's yeah. um a prospect guy and soroka's been his like literally his guy from the beginning like he is the biggest mike soroka guy in the world and we were supposed to record the podcast that day oh so i had the thought like oh man eric's gonna be crushed so i had to reach out to him we had to figure all that out we record the podcast but those are the two things like i just felt awful for soroka and felt awful for, awful for eric and i'm sort of i guess secondarily 
it's brutal for the Braves, not only because, like, I, I kind of didn't expect Sorokin to make a huge impact this year because he'd been out for so long. But honestly, this kind of, you know, that this basically eats out most of next year for Soroka. And that's yeah. just a long, it's a long time to not be pitching. Even when you're young, man, like having two of the same injury long-term, it's just, it's all bad. Yeah, it was classic, classic Georgia sports. And then, of course, it needed to be the same weekend, like foot, same weekend that Trey Young comes out on a referee's foot. It just needed to be this way to be Georgia sports. All right, let's wrap up. Uh, Brad, thanks for being with us, man. Locked on Hawks podcast uh, for Hawks Talk. It's the best Hawks podcast oh, yeah. there is. I, I listened to a few before we recorded this. Um, Talking Chop, I'll vouch for that podcast. That is a top Braves podcast and a must-listen for Braves fans. Brad, do you want to plug anything else? Tell, any, tell them how to read your stuff? Yeah, th- those two podcasts for sure, and I appreciate you plugging them. And uh, all my written stuff, I end up tweeting at, uh, out on Twitter at BT Roll. You can find all that stuff there. I'm kind of all over the place right now writing, uh, but you know, Peace Your Hoops, all that stuff. 